Hi, I'm Maria. I'm Shadio. And I'm Amber. We're from Jerusalem. We're the producers of the Women Behind the Wall podcast. This podcast features stories of how the political seeps into the private lives of people in Israel and Palestine, and how women experience the conflict. These narratives give you a glimpse into the lives of women with deep hopes and aspirations. Most of the women interviewed live in the West Bank. They're women behind the wall. We hope you stay a bit, listen to their stories, and hear the messages they hope you'll hear. Today on Women Behind the Wall, we hear from Amira, a Palestinian Christian from Bethlehem. As a young person stepping into adulthood, she shares about her past, present, and future as a Palestinian woman experiencing occupation and patriarchy. Listen as she opens a window to her life and welcomes you to hear the pain of injustice and the resilience of Palestinians who maintain hope in spite of obstacles. I'm 26 years old. I grew up like my whole life in Beit Sahur. My whole family uh, is there. We didn't move. Yani. Well, I studied uh, I, in 2009, I studied here in Bethlehem Bible College. I started as a mass media student. I studied two years, so I have a diploma in mass media. And then I worked for like half, uh, half a year. And then I came back to the college and I studied theology, biblical studies. I'm the, uh, let's say, communications coordinator here at Bethlehem Bible College. So yeah, I'm responsible of the social media, the website, the e-newsletter. And I'm also involved in Cross at the Checkpoint Young Adult. I'm uh, part of the committee. Cross at the Checkpoint is a movement. It started from Bethlehem Bible College uh, in 2010. The main goal of it is to uh, to show, like, especially the evangelical world, the evangelical Christian, uh, to to let them hear our voice, our part of the story, um, the story of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I mean, after three uh, Cross at the Checkpoint conferences, uh, the young Palestinians, the young, the young local Palestinians here at Bethlehem Bible College, we, we went to the main director of Cross at the Checkpoint. We told him that we want to, uh, to start something uh, local for the, for the Christian local uh, youth because uh, uh, something local and also in Arabic, like we want to, um, we want to tell them about uh, about their identity, we want to talk to them about their land, we want, you know, like, we want us first, like, the local youth to to know their uh, their identity, to, to know uh, yani, everything about the conflict, about their land, so we can reach out to the um, to the world. Growing up in, uh, in Beit Sahur, in Palestine, as a Palestinian Christian woman, was, um, I can't say it was normal, because... Uh, I grew up, I faced like, uh, let's say, the second intifada. I, I faced, like, I lived the, the 40 day siege on Bethlehem, on uh, the Nativity Church. The siege of the Church of the Nativity took place from April 2nd until May 10th, 2002, in Bethlehem, in the West Bank. As part of Operation Defense Shield, the Israeli military occupied the Church of the Nativity, trying to capture suspected Palestinians who sought refuge in the church compound. At the same time, there were more than 200 monks and Palestinians residing in the church. After 39 days, the siege ended with the suspected Palestinians exiled to Gaza and different parts of the world. Amira recollects some of her experiences during this time. 
I remember uh, staying in my bed and praying, praying, praying hard because my father uh, used, used to be an activist as well. Not like uh, like a, um, a peaceful activist, let's say. So yeah, I remember like we had the doc documents in our house and I was really afraid for, of, of my father. So I remember like the soldiers were were putting their uh, their legs on our uh, on our window and I remember like my whole family like looking down the, the window and uh, like checking so that day that night they entered every house every house in the neighborhood but not our house even like my 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 aunt's house they they came in and like her kids are she has she had at that time two boys they were like really really small and they, they the soldier said all the men outside the house my aunt was like they are not men they're kids yani. and they let them like stay out outside the house the whole night Although the siege was confined to the proximity of the Church of the Nativity in the center of Bethlehem, the army incursions were not limited to that area. Amira recounts that during this time, her neighborhood in Beit Sahur, which is part of the larger district of Bethlehem, experienced raids incursions in the middle of the night as part of regular Israeli military tactics. Furthermore, Palestinian men were frequently targeted for arrest at the time, even those who were engaged in nonviolent resistance and were not connected to the main purpose of the siege. I remember we couldn't go to school. I remember going to school only when they when we have um, like when the Israeli soldiers announced that now you're free to move. You know they they had this thing that they restricted our movement. Every time they like. Once in a while, they would like announce on the TVs and uh, that we we are now free to like to move from let's say from two o'clock in the afternoon until six o'clock in the in the afternoon. I remember going to the school at two o'clock in the afternoon, like for one hour, and then coming back. Yeah, like the the principal of my uh, school, he would like say he would like call uh, as many families as he could and like come to school now. And we I remember going to school at two p.m. in the afternoon to attend like one hour of school. I was in sixth, in sixth grade, I remember that very, and we would like be only like 50 kids or like very, very few. Like we had like the whole neighborhood, they like would gather, play cards, you know, and nobody could go to uh, to their works, nobody would uh, would do anything. My mother was a, is a nurse, so, so she uh, like, that was really the worst part. Like I was in sixth grade, like, Sure, 12, 11 years old, yeah. So my mother is a nurse, so she works in the Caritas Baby Hospital. So uh, like a very, like uh, the, the Red Cross car or yeah, a very special car that can move, can move even if, uh, if we, we can't move like as Palestinians because it's, it has, uh, you know, it's the Red Cross car or something. So they would come and take my mother and she would stay in the hospital for four days, five days until they allow us to move again. And then she would come back to, to our house. You know, we're used for my mother to go sleep in the hospital one night, like the, her night shift. That's it. But not for really any long days. Amira shares a little bit of what it means to grow up under a military occupation. So yeah, it wasn't like a normal life. I remember crossing like the... Um, the checkpoint from Bethlehem to Ramallah and uh, like an 18 or even young, younger 17 years old soldier talking 
with my father in a very humiliating way and in a very really bad way. I remember like the like the anger, the bitterness I felt like back in the car. Like if I really wanted like to scream in that soldier's face to like to punish him in the face. I remember like like feeling like really hopeless, not to do. I can't do anything. He's holding a gun. He's a, he's the soldier. I was afraid. My life as a Palestinian woman is uh, very different than any, uh, let's say, Israeli or, or Western uh, young adult. We have something to, uh, to tell the world. Like, we faced very hard, uh, very hard, like, circumstances, and we are still. Like, for a Western or for an American, they have an easy life. They can go wherever they want. Like, I've been to America, and, uh, like, I've been to the, one of the wealthiest cities in America. And, you know, at that time, I felt lucky. I felt really lucky. I have a story to tell. I have many stories to tell. I have hope to to spread. I have, uh, like, despite everything we're, I'm living in, we're living in as Palestinians, we still have hope. We still have a, a peace message to show the whole world. Amira experienced the realities of life under occupation alongside her growing childhood dreams. Yeah, I had this uh, dream to become an uh, a director, a RT director. So yeah, I I like I'm I'm really like very fun with cameras, with the films, with the cinemas, with all of this. So I had this dream to go to Egypt, to Six October uh, University to study uh, directing there, filming there. I wrote once a short story about a Palestinian girl, a Palestinian Christian girl who fell in love with an Israeli soldier. <laughs> I love that part. Okay. I wrote it in Arabic and then translated it by myself in English. Imagine, like, my poor English. <laughs> I translated it by myself. And then one of uh, my mother's, um, like, uh, my mother's friends, she's from Italy, she translated it in, into Italian. And then they published it on a newsletter or something, on, a, on an e-newsletter. E and I remember having, like, emails from, <laughs> from people who read the story, like, telling me, thank you for this story. We've been in Palestine and, like, you took us back like the smell the the like we remember the smell the smells of palestine like the the colors yeah <laughs> but for amira realizing her dreams was not so simple because when i finished high school i didn't get that that how much grades yeah my father my parents were like no you're a girl uh, you're not going by yourself to egypt egypt is not a very safe place so you have to choose another thing to do yeah and uh, yeah mom, i remember my mother wanted me to study uh, biology in uh, bethlehem university because i really loved biology like besides cinemas and writing and <laughs> i loved biology my mother wanted me and i refused i told her you refused to let me go to egypt to fulfill my dream i'm not gonna study biology so yeah i remember coming here to bethlehem Bible College to study mass media it's something يعني, it's related still related with the dream i had for amira palestinian cultural and societal expectations of young women affect her life decisions big and small so my culture and my society and my family, uh, they expect from me after university to be married and uh, with, with like two, three kids. <laughs> and I disappointed them. <laughs> I'm not. This is not one of my like main dreams. Of course, you know, I want to get married eventually at the end. <laughs>
Yeah, like the culture expected expects from a Palestinian woman, young woman, to uh, to finish uh, her university and find a uh, decent job with the reasonable uh, hours, and then خلاص get married and have kids, and that's it. So yeah, of course I feel pressure from uh, their expectations, but you know, the more I'm, the older I am, the the more I can uh, handle those pressures and like uh, know how to really stand with, uh, in front of let's say my family or, or especially you know here in Palestine in our culture it's not only your family like your father, mother, sisters, brothers it's the extended families my aunts, my uncles, their kids you know. So yeah, the, the older I am, the more I can stand with them, deal with them, tell them this is not what I want. And even if it didn't happen, uh, I'm, 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 يعني, I'm not less a woman <laughs> if I'm not married. I don't, feel, I don't feel that much pressure from my friends that are married because, uh, <laughs> because they're facing very hard time with their kids and with their husbands, with their families, with their new families, with raising their kids. So they always say, Amira, don't get married. Amira, you will regret it if you get married. So no, I don't feel pressure from my friends. <laughs> I feel pressure, you know, not pressure in general because all of them are married, like especially in weddings or in holidays, they're, they're all with their spouses, husbands, wives, and like I'm most of the time alone by myself. So sometimes that's like uh, not very nice, <laughs> but I can handle it, you know. Say the occupation now is the. Um, the, the ugly reality that me as a Palestinian is living. Um, let's say all the Palestinians are living in. So, um, like, lack of movement is really, it sucks, yani. Um, not being allowed to travel through Ben Gurion uh, checkpoint. Uh, checkpoint, <laughs> yes, it is a checkpoint. <laughs> Airport. Uh, is really bad. Having to every time I need I need to travel. Uh, I need to go to cross Jordan, to go to Jordan to travel. So um, this is bad. This is really bad. This is this is not normal. This is not 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 what life is supposed to be. Yani living under occupation is uh, is 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 not life. Yani it's not what what life supposed to be. Life supposed to be, uh, yani easier, <laughs> a bit easier. It's not I'm not allowed to travel like traveling is, is is not that easy like as it is to to a western or policy pick up or she pick up her passport and she go wherever she wants now I need a visa I need uh, more money more time I need to cross uh, Jordan I need uh, I'm even as, a, as an Arab Palestinian girl I need my parents approval they don't approve sometimes like I remember I wanted to go to Sarajevo Bosnia you know like the capital of Bosnia last summer and uh, I, I booked uh, an uh, interview with the embassy to go to, to it, it was in Tel Aviv to, you know, to, uh, to have my visa and everything. And then my father <laughs> said, stop, where are you going? <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's, it's Eastern Europe, يعني. it's, it's, it's a dangerous place, you're not going there alone. So, <laughs> so yeah, so um, 
I'm missing things, uh, not only because of occupation. Let, let's not only like talk like occupation is uh, like uh, no, like um, because of like um, the Arabic culture, because of um, we can't go wherever we want. I went like in uh, many places and still I will, I have the word in my list. So yeah. Religion and spirituality are important components of life in Palestinian society, which is largely religious. Minorities, like Christians, often have deep connections to their religious traditions. We ask Amira if and how her beliefs influence the way she copes with or views her circumstances. My faith really shapes uh, who I am. And uh, like shaping who I am is like uh, uh, helping me to um, to see like uh, even the occupation to see to see Palestine to see even the conflict in a, a very different way. Because like living here and seeing this every day, at least you will have bitterness and bitterness, uh, hatred, hatred. <laughs> and I have hatred inside your heart. At least, yeah. So uh, my faith helped me a lot to to change this. Helped me to accept this. Like uh, having freedom in Christ uh, taught me that freedom is not um, is not like lack of movement. Like if you don't, if you can't move, this is not that you have lack of freedom. Freedom is inside your heart. Freedom is not uh, something that Israel will give us. Mm -mm, they're dreaming. They will not give us our freedom because we're free despite of whatever they want even if they want to lock us in Bethlehem and not letting us go and you know go out and then they will never take our freedom they can take our our movement they can like um, decrease our movement and but not our freedom like uh, it taught me even like to accept others let's say to accept even even Israelis to accept them like before I couldn't even um, even stand the thinking of talking to an Israeli person. Yani, this was very, uh, very hard for me. This is what, was something, yani, even not normal. It's not normal. And uh, yeah, my faith in Christ, it helped me to accept them. It even, it was really hard to, um, to one day uh, decide to go and like meet with uh, with Israeli people because. Um, I felt that I'm I will be betraying my country, my own people, my, my cause, like my land. I would be, of course, not to, um, not to, let's say, if I'm, to, if I'm like meeting an Israeli or meeting Israeli, that does not mean that I'm accepting their part of the story or that I'm accepting that, uh, that uh, this land is theirs or this, uh, this land God promised them this land or not like, let's say, um, giving up like my rights or my people rights that, that this is يعني, no like a meeting with them it means that we, we, we I'm listening to you I'm kind of accepting you I'm kind of like uh, like acting uh, like acting like the Jesus in me but not like giving up my rights Palestinian Christians are often familiar with the competing theological claims where their holy books of the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament are used to justify the occupation Amira shares her thoughts on other Christian theologies that interpret the Bible differently from her. Someone's is like a Western, let's say, wrong theology is, is impacting me as a young Palestinian woman. Yes, because um, it's denying my, my rights, you know, based on the Bible. Come on. 
denying my rights, okay, fine, I'm fine with that. But don't use the Bible for this. Like, don't use my God, don't use my Lord, don't use the most peaceful and amazing man in, on, on earth to, uh, to deny my existence, to deny my rights, to deny, like, who I am. Please don't. If you're a Christian, you're peaceful, you're, uh, you're justice, just like Jesus is. You talk against injustice, you talk against uh, treating people uh, in a very bad way, you talk against uh, occupation. <laughs> come on, how come? Yani you're Christians and you're, 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 uh, you're praying for a country, for a, a nation that is killing others. That is that took others' lands. That uh, is preventing water, like the simplest life uh, <laughs> thing. Yani. Since the 1967 war that marks the occupation of East Jerusalem, the West Bank, and Gaza, Israel seized control of the water resources. Israel uses the water as it sees fit, providing more water distribution to those residing in Israel or on illegal Israeli settlements compared to Palestinians in the West Bank. The World Health Organization recommends an average consumption of 100 liters of water per capita per day. For Israel, the average is 287 liters per capita per day. And for Palestinians who are connected to a water grid, it's an average of 79 liters per capita per day, and between 20 to 50 liters for those who are not connected to a water grid. So after I uh, I gave my life to to Christ, um, it it was really really a very confusing uh, part part in my life because uh, because I was like caught in the middle from the first hand like uh, my land my uh, my patriotism because I am really very patriotic and very Palestinian to the core of my heart and my faith. Like if they are saying like the Israelis and this land is theirs because you God promised them the land. Because in the Old Testament there are uh, some verses that say that this is the, their land and everything. And, uh, and now you want me to believe in you, now you like, like uh, I thought this at that time. If this God that I'm believing in like, uh, like wants to give a land to his people who are the Israelis, over my, my people's dead bodies, over my people's uh, destroyed houses, over, uh, over our trees, over our olive trees, uprooted olive trees. I really don't want this God. I really don't want, uh, I don't want to deal with him. I don't want to talk about him. I don't want to, I don't want to have anything to do with this God, if, if it's really the truth. Until uh, Christ at uh, the checkpoint came to life, and uh, this is uh, it, it changed really. It changed really my whole perspective. I started to learn that no, Jesus is uh, is a very let's say a very justice man, a man that he talked against injustice. He really has something to do with uh, with my conflict. Let's say with my uh, hard uh, situation. <laughs> Amira has a message to the women to hear her story. If she can summarize what she wants them to take away from what she has shared, what would it be? I want the, the listeners to, to really like dig in more in this in the conflict, to, to hear more parts of the story, especially our part of the story, because I know Westerns know the other part of the story. So I want them really to, um, to know that we do exist. 
that we do are fighting for our existence here, especially this time that we have the Islamophobia movement. <laughs> like, no, in Palestine, it's, it's really, really, really different. Like, this is, I'm not talking about uh, every Palestinian, I'm talking about Amira. For me, um, Islam here is not a problem. Muslims are, let's say, our partners in fighting against uh, the occupied uh, country. Uh, and fighting here is not holding guns or, uh, you know, fighting uh, peacefully, fighting to exist, fighting to, to keep our land, to keep the, the very small land that is kept for us. If an Israeli young woman was listening to this, I want her to know that uh, <clears throat> that I love her. <laughs> we don't hate because you have, you know, they teach you that uh, Palestinians are terrorists, that Palestinians are uh, bad people, that Palestinians hate you and want you out of the country. That's not true. We don't want you out of the country. We know that you're humans. We know that uh, you have your your lives is here, and we really don't want you out of the out of this. Country. We want you to recognize us. We want you to know that we do exist. We want you to give us our rights and you can stay here. If you want to stay here and us stay here, we both stay here. We need both to have the same equal rights. While Amira raises many issues of injustice that she witnesses and experiences regularly, as she says, Palestinians are hopeful and resilient people. There are numerous local initiatives engaging in constructive work to support Palestinians and invite others to learn about them. If you want to even read one of my blogs, um, more Palestinians uh, writers, if you want to read about them, I encourage you to, to visit uh, Bethlehem Bible College's website. It's www.bethbc.edu. You can go and read more uh, blogs about Palestinians, more blogs about the uh, Arabic culture, Palestinian culture. In a situation, you will read a lot about uh, Palestinian interesting, Palestinian influencing people. And also you can book for a visit, to come to visit us, to book a lecture for a group, come uh, stay at our guest house uh, and everything. And thank you so much. If you would like to donate to these organizations, or learn more about them. You can find links to them on our website. Thank you for listening to Amira's story. If you'd like to learn more about the issues raised in this episode, hear more stories, or connect with us, you can do so through our website at womenbehindthewall.com. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, share this episode, or drop us a note. Until next time!